0: All right. Last couple of months have been a little more crazy than they usually are. And I have been able in in traveling to talk to people more. And, And I really love to do this because so many times I wind up talking. And I love just listening to people's story. I like to listen to crowds talking because when that happens, it helps me to pinpoint real beliefs. And here's what I mean by that. We as Christians, we almost are creedal from a standpoint of things that we say that we believe and we confess and profess to believe. And to believe strongly. And yet when I look at everyday lives, that same belief is not transferred into everyday life. And, and it makes me wonder sometime if we think that every promise that Jesus gave us was just something to be there kind of like a good bedtime story we can't, when we can't sleep. Everything in the Word of God is for simply two things, which helps us out. Number one, to know God, to know His Son, and to come into faith in Jesus Christ. That's the number one reason this Word was written. It is a history, and that's good. It's a miraculous, marvelous history. But it was written for us. That we might know. And that for years and years to come. As long as God chooses to delay the return of Christ. This written word is going to be here for generation after generation. But unfortunately for us. Many times that's where it stops. The word of God is to be in us. Through us. And for us to equip us Monday through Sunday. How do we live life? How do we face the issues? You know, right now, we, we had just finally shook the COVID stuff that, I'll be honest with you, the government has been using against us to turn us into a socialist country. Socialism simply drives people To want things the government's withholding, to be afraid of things that only the government can fix, and to seek the government as the actual God in their life. And that's the whole role and and drive of socialism. And we, we have that going on right now. Now, I'm not saying that COVID is not real. It is just like every other flu, every other disease that we've had down through the eons of time. But you see, the thing that has happening to us, there is a fear factor that makes us afraid. And there's a passage of Scripture that says that when we fear, it casts out God's perfect love. Because, see, it's not just a warm, cuddly feeling to say, Jesus loves me. There's power in that statement. He's sovereign. He loves me. He said he would go before me. He said he'd go in back of me, beside me, on top of me. He said there was nowhere that I would ever go in life that he had not already been and was waiting for me to get there. And we today, it's, it's with everything that's going on. People are afraid. Uh, there's wars uh, in the Middle East. Uh, all of this stuff that causes people to react, stay home and withdraw from the crowd. And you see, that is one of the devil's Basic tactics. Get you alone, out of the crowd, out of your friends, out of your support system. And all of your strength, many times, just goes away. This morning, I'm going to bring out one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The fifth chapter of the book of Romans. I love this passage. Paul is telling us something very important our relationship and our hope is through faith and faith alone now in Paul's day he had the to battle a Jewish nation that had long believed that if they could just keep the Ten Commandments if they could just keep all of the other commandments that the rabbis added if they could just do that everything would be okay and of course Those commands were never, never a way of salvation. They were simply to do two things. Point out the fact that we cannot be good enough long enough. And point us to Jesus Christ in order that he can do the one thing that will change us. And that is to give us a new life. You say today, well, we don't worry about the law. Yes, you do. I hear people talking every day about hoping that they're good enough. Hoping that they're doing the right stuff. And people spend their life measuring their favor with God on the stuff that they don't do and the stuff that they do. And when you fail, like we all will, when we fail... We become discouraged. Satan comes in and helps us become disillusioned. And pretty soon we turn our back on the only hope that we have. And that's Christ and his word. Faith alone. I wrote these things down. Faith simply means that you believe what God says. Now, you know, everybody's got the bumper sticker. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, guess what? Whether you believe it or not, it's settled. But we believe, and we say that we believe. But there's two missing elements that will help you through the trials, the troubles of life. The first is to trust. you got to trust God. you got to trust God in what you say you believe. And when you do that, something amazing happens. There is a strength that comes in us. There comes a boldness that comes in us. And it's not self-generated. It's through the Spirit of God. as Because, you see, to be filled with the Spirit doesn't mean that we're kind of like a quart low. Like a lot of cars, you have to check, put a little gas in and fill it up with oil. No, that's not what it means. To be filled with the Spirit is the degree to which you are simply obeying the Spirit of God. And so when we walk believing, when we walk trusting in God, that is the step. The second is simply this this trust puts belief in motion. You know, we all were out in Oklahoma and... Wendy bought my airline ticket and I trusted that when I got there, the plane would be there and I trusted that when I sat down in that seat that the pilots were there. They were sober. They knew how to, they didn't take a 30 day trial on how to be a pilot. They knew what they were, were doing and that aircraft was going to be able to get off the ground safely and come in. But none of that belief would work itself out, even with the ticket in my hand, till I put myself in a seat and buckle in. And you see, I'm afraid today what's absent in the world in the witness of Christ is buckled in Christians. So, guys, I want to encourage you. Buckle up. Trust God. Put belief in motion. Faith is to act on that Belief so let's go to Romans five. Jean, bring her up, please sir. therefore, because of what Paul has already said in the preceding chapters talking about Abraham. That it is, salvation is through faith alone and Abraham trusts and it says, the last thing it says is that he, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins, which means Jesus paid our sin debt for us, all of our sins, past, present and future, and was raised, he was raised in, for life. For our justification. That's the gospel of Christ. All the other stuff people add. Isn't the gospel. The gospel is Jesus came to earth. As the man. He came to earth. He paid our sin debt on the cross. He died. They put him in the ground. He was dead. Three days later. He was resurrected. That is the gospel. And the only gospel that saves. Now there's a lot of other stuff. That happens because of that. That's the gospel. So, because of all of this, we have been justified. We have been... This is not an ongoing process. Here's what you need to understand. Sanctification is like this. Paul said that we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. All of the tents. What that meant was there's a time and place in all of our life when we hear the gospel call we come to Jesus and we are saved we are being saved because every day we're learning how to be the new creation in Christ how to take off the old and put on the new we're doing that every day and we'll continue then one day we will be saved because we're going to close our eyes and we're going to leave this earth and we're going to wake up in an instant Right in the presence of God. And at that moment, we are saved for an eternity. Justified is a one-time legal occurrence. It's like being in, in a courtroom and the judge hits the gavel and says, You're justified to have faith. That's something that God adjudicates to us through his son and through his blood and through his resurrection. And it means if you're living any other type of life other than a victorious life in Christ, you're living the wrong life. You're living not the life that Jesus died and was resurrected to give. Therefore, we are being justified through faith, we have peace with God. There's two pieces. There's the peace with God. That's what Paul is talking about here. Peace with God means this. We don't hear it preached or talked about, but you need to understand that if someone is lost and not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, he is rebelling against God. That person is saying, Jesus wasn't the Son of God. Jesus' sacrifice is not enough. It's a nice story about the, the Christmas story and the wise men and the shepherds. But it's it's just something I can't grab a hold of. When a person lives in this life rejecting Jesus Christ, you are saying, in fact, to God, you are a liar. And there is a wrath of God... That is stored up against all unrighteousness. That means you have an enemy if you are apart from Christ. Now, I'm not being hateful or mean. For 29 years, I was an enemy of God. For 29 years, I was too stupid to realize that God could have just snapped his fingers and I would be dissolved and gone justifiably because of my rejecting for him. But God in all of his grace and love revealed himself. And when I came to Christ, when you came to Christ, we have peace with God. Because we know if we were to die, we will be in the presence of God. We know that God is absolutely sovereign in any way. We know that God never wakes up, reads the paper, or watches Fox News and says, Wow, I didn't know that. No, He is sovereignly in control of this earth. And we're going to find out in just a few minutes that no matter what kind of valley or darkness or or harm that we go through, God is taking us through there for one reason, to make us what he died for us to become. Peace with God. When you have peace with God, God is sovereign. Nothing's going to happen to you without God saying it's okay. And the worst thing is if you die, you're going to be in the presence of God. You are at peace, but that brings another peace. Right now, people are shook up. I have never seen a time in my ministry when Christians fear the return of the Lord. Now, you may think that's I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. When I hear people talking about it, it's with fear and trepidation. Now, I realize it it brings it brings heartbreak to me. When I, when I see thousands upon millions of people that don't know Christ, and when Christ comes, man, this world is not going to be worth living in. And so people are afraid of the, the Hamas and, and all of the terrorism. Is New York going to be hit? And, and we begin to worry about all of this stuff that's around us when we have peace with God. That brings peace of God. See, God never gets shook. Never. God is always right there moving along in His power because He knows what He's doing. And when we come to Christ, He's not just saying, I want you to know Christ, get baptized, be a part of the church, and then sit there the rest of your life. No, I want you actively involved in the life that I have given you on this earth. You see Jesus is gone. He quit walking on this earth back in the first century. And he's gone. And he said a prayer in John 17 before he left. About everyone who would believe in him and become followers. And he was saying that in that prayer that we would reproduce. He said in that prayer that we would become strong. That we would be his witnesses. So when you have peace with God, you have peace of God. Here we go. Through whom we have gained access. You remember when the, uh, the curtain was torn from top to bottom? All of a sudden anyone could go into the Holy of Holies. Our access is through Jesus Christ. How? By how good we are on a particular, no, by faith until this grace In which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of the Lord. It's not wrong to boast. When you're boasting in the Lord. When you're boasting what God has done. When you're boasting on what God is going to do. Based on his promises. Those are the things that we boast in. Not only so. But we glory also in our sufferings. This is where the metal (laughs) meets the road. We, We get excited and read those first words. And then when it gets here, we don't glory in our sufferings. Now, I'm not saying you should be one of those people that like to be hurt. I don't know what they call them, but I call them crazy. But anyway, that's not what I'm talking about suffering in our life shows us we're not God and He is. It shows us we're not in control and God is. And see, that's a a good thing to know because it deflects faith in ourselves to faith in the one that matters, the one that will get us in this. And When we glory in our sufferings, it's for this reason. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Keeping on, keeping on. That is the truest sign of a real believer. Do you persevere through the trials, tribulations, and sufferings of life? Because as you go through there, you're kind of toughened up. And so that the next valley you go through, there is suffering, but not to the extent that it was when you began. It's, we know this is going to produce perseverance. When you read the first chapter of the book of James, it says this perseverance brings forth maturity. You grow up in Christ. But this perseverance does something else. Perseverance produces Character, This listen, character doesn't come out in suffering. Character is made in suffering. Character is made in the trials that we go through and the things that we face in life. Because God is teaching us that we do nothing in this life alone. Because Satan's one great lie is that we are alone. We're the only ones that think like we do. We're the only ones. And there is nothing here to protect us. But this developing this character, this quality. Let me give you an example of a character. The love of God is an example of the character of God himself. God is always love in everything that he has ever done and everything that he will do. That's a part of his character. God, through our sufferings, is bringing about this, we will not quit, we will continue, which produces our character, and character produces hope. Let me tell you about this word, hope. When I was a kid, I I guess about this time of year, somebody would say, what are you going to get for Christmas? What do you want? Well, I hope I get a bicycle. I hope that I do this. I get that. It's hope based on nothing other than my feelings of what I want, which is not secure. This hope right here means something that is certain. I'm hoping that God will carry me through this life, through every situation in life. War in the Middle East, the COVID, pneumonia, this happening, that happening. That is a hope that is absolutely steadfast and sure because that's what's going to happen. And when you rejoice that hope, you're casting out negativity, You're casting out lies and you're standing in the promise and the character of God. It is absolutely true. I'm hoping. And it's based on something that is consistent with God's love. And hope does not put us to shame. Have you ever been ashamed in your life? (laughs) Go ahead. I have. I've done things that I was ashamed of. But I want to tell you something. If you're afraid that you're going to go through suffering and perseverance, building this character, hoping in God, and all of a sudden God is going to disappoint you, stop it. You see, that's the key why a lot of people don't continue. I've had people say, my mother disappointed me, my father disappointed me, my wife left me, my children, and they'll give me a whole list of why they don't have any hope or any joy. It's because people disappointed them. And then the devil says to you, well, they disappointed you, everybody will disappoint you. Be careful when words like, everybody and nobody are used that's an assumption that's not true right off the bat but another assumption is because this has happened to you god will let you down listen i dare you to study the bible enough to show me where he let anybody down if you remember On that last supper, there was something that we don't talk about a lot. Jesus, knowing the heart of Judas, gave the man that was going to sell him out an opportunity. You see, he offered him his body and his blood, and Judas rejected it. Judas did not partake of that last supper With those people. Even down to the very hour. Jesus was ready to reach out. And claim him. He's not going to disappoint you. He's not going to let you down. There's nothing. That can happen to you. So tragically. That God. Will not be there with you. I'm going to end with a very personal story. Nine years old, I made some form of profession of faith. I say that not funny or mockingly. I remember I went down the aisle of a church. I remember having questions. What I remember is nobody answered questions. I filled out a card. They baptized me two weeks later and said I was saved. I read my Bible. I knew the Bible well. Into my teenage years, things happened and I began to not drift from God, but just simply run. I, I didn't want any part of him. I, I, I kind of had a sense that God was calling me to preach. And the last thing I wanted to do on earth is preach. I'd just really be preachers were against everything I like to do. And so I thought, well, I'd be a hypocrite <laughs> preaching against stuff I like. And so that was just my stupid argument. A guy put me in a corner, and nothing bad happened to me. Uh, he just began to deal with me. And so over a week's time, every night, which is another story, I read the Bible. Uh, on Saturday night, I came to that fifth chapter of the book of Romans, and I read that, and I was broken-hearted and a broken man. I came to Christ. I, I begged him to save me. Next morning was Sunday. I got up, dressed. My wife got up. Wanted to know where are you going. I said, "I'm going to your church." Walked down the aisle, confessed Christ, surrendered to the ministry. I, I'd never felt as relieved and the burden going off of me than I did that day. About. So that was June. In October, my wife was, was pregnant. I preached my first message. I, I had 14 legal size pieces of paper front and back. And I wrote out my message and I woke up Sunday morning and realized, number one, I couldn't read my own writing. And number two, how am I going to go through 14 pages? God got me through my wife went home and she cooked dinner for us the next day I went to work and I got a call at work about 12 o'clock come to the hospital the baby's in trouble so I flew to work by the time I got there and walked back where my wife was in labor the doctor came out and said to me, the baby is going to die. There's nothing we can do. Uh, he had some issues. And so little Marcus Jeremy lived 20 minutes. And in 20 minutes, I fought the greatest battle of my life. I was absolutely angry. See, God is still working after nearly 50 years to get rid of all of my instantaneous temper. <laughs> I had the mindset, you know, if you got a problem, you whip it first, and everything will be all right. I had a temper. I screamed at God. There was a big picture of Jesus knocking on the door in the garden. I'm sure you all have seen that picture. And I screamed at him and asked him, what is he doing? I lived like hell for 29 years. Had two children. Nothing happened to them. I was healthy. My wife was healthy. And now you take my baby away from me. I just preached my first message. And this is what you did to me. And I looked at him and I said, if there's anything about peace that goes beyond understanding, I better get some right now or I'm walking out of here. And I'll never, ever come back again. I felt like somebody pulled a shade down. My anger left me. I realized two things. How stupid that was. The second thing I I remembered was, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Scriptures stick. In June, God gave me that. First time I ever read it. 12th of October, I needed it. From that time on, my wife Rob never looked back. Never asked why. Doesn't matter. You know, I hear people making up stories. You know, this happened because of this. A lot of, you know, God can cause anything to happen without that. It's a part of the struggle that showed me I could persevere and that my character would go from one who doubted to one who truly believed. And nothing could shake my belief in God. And that would give me a hope that every day of my life, God was with me. Friends, I, I love you. You're my peeps, okay? You're not Joes. You're not Cords, You're mine. And, you know, we're comparable age. And if we're not careful, sometimes we'll get afraid of stuff. Because we're not as confident as we used to be. Sometimes we're more forgettable than we, than we ever have been. And we just aren't certain. I want you to live. Every day of the life. That God has allotted you. Knowing. That there is nothing. That you will face in life. For what Jesus has not equipped you. To not only face. But come through it. And be victorious on the other end. Because he's already been there and he's going with you. Call Satan a liar when he makes you afraid because the Lord is my shepherd and I don't have any wants. If you're sitting here this morning, if you're online and you've never really had an experience, life-changing experience with Jesus Christ, in a relationship, I invite you today to know Christ. In room three, we're going to have counselors there. They'll be glad to pray with, talk with you. Uh, Evelyn's going to be up here. Uh, gentlemen, be over here if you want prayer or well, whatever you want. Let's settle it, guys. Because I'm I'm praying that t- 2024 will be a a time in our lives that chains are broken and lives are strengthened. Fathers, I come to you today. I love you so much. I love you, Lord, because you put up with an idiot like me. God, I failed you so many times and the fear that I have is that you're justified in whatever you would do. But then I find you calling me to you and saying, son, come to me. I'm your strength. I'm your hope. Father, today, speak into the lives of everyone who has heard this. Father, take it to the other ends of the earth. That many will come to saving faith in Jesus. And that, Father, this would be a group, a generation that has no fear. Because you have been resurrected. In Jesus' name, amen.